0: Good afternoon, my name is Karen Sampson-Hoffman, and I'd like to welcome you to today's Ask the Expert webcast, Lying, Why Kids with ADHD Lie, and What to Do About It. Today we are with Dr. Thomas Fallon, author of 123 Magic, Effective Discipline for Children 2 to 12. The National Resource Center is a partnership between CHAD and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and serves as the national clearinghouse for the latest evidence-based information on ADHD. Today, we're welcoming Dr. Dr. Thomas Fallon, a registered clinical psychologist. Dr. Fallon is the author of numerous books, DVDs, and audios. In addition to writing and producing, Dr. Fallon maintains an active schedule of international lectures, and he is a frequent guest on radio and television. Dr. Fallon, if you would like to begin.
1: What we need to do today is to look at lying a little bit differently. And uh, first of all, one of the things I'm going to try and convince you of is that lying is actually very common in both children and adults. Uh, I'll give you some statistics in just a minute. However, in spite of that fact, many of us parents of ADHD kids often view lying as a kind of a a major crime, like it's the same as homicide, adultery, or treason. And uh, I'm gonna try and talk you out of that notion today. We're also gonna take a look at what are the motives for lying. Uh, It's very important to understand why your kids lie. And there's one uh, big, one particular big reason why they lie that uh, uh, gives us a lot of useful insight into uh, how to manage the problem. But you know, if lying is an issue at your house along with ADHD, this can be a very unpleasant way to live. So we're we're gonna try and uh, provide a little bit of relief today. So our our two big lessons for this seminar uh, are, first of all, uh, what to think about lying. Uh, And you might consider this to be sort of an attitude adjustment. Uh, so I'm gonna try and uh, present to you some ways of looking at lying that are different, but also uh, helpful, hopefully uh, therapeutic even. Uh, our second thing is uh, what you're most interested in probably is is uh, what do you do about lying? What's your battle plan going to be? Uh, when lying comes up, the worst thing you can do is have a fit, have a cow, um, you know, get all upset about it. You need a routine for lying, and I'll try and give you one um, today. So first of all, let's take a look at, you know, what do you need to think about lying or our attitude adjustment? Uh, the reason we need to think differently is that incorrect thinking produces uh, several results, all of which are bad. First of all, uh, it produces bewilderment and confusion. And I'm talking about in the uh, adults, not not in the kids right now, but in the adults. So uh, if you're not thinking correctly about it, you're going to be confused and bewildered. Uh, You're gonna also be emotionally agitated, uh, upset, and this usually means angry. I'm talking like real angry. Uh, And when you're in those two kind of states, of course, you're gonna produce a lousy strategy for dealing with lying. And one of the basic rules for dealing with lying is the more upset you get about it to an ADHD child, the more, oddly enough, you tend to reinforce the lying rather than to uh, act as a, uh, your behavior acting as a deterrent for lying. So let's look at some of the things that we parents think. The first one is, uh, oh, my God, my kids should not be lying. What are the statistics? Well, here's some interesting statistics. On average, about 20% of 2-year-olds lie. <clears throat> look at the big jump there in the 3-year-olds. They're up to 50%, and we get to 4-year-olds are up to 90%. And maybe I shouldn't laugh, but uh, there's good news here. And the reason they, this, these percentages go up is that kids are able to think more. Their intelligence their intellectual power is increasing, they realize that their parents don't know everything all the time and that some of the time they can withhold information or color information or change it in order to accomplish a certain objective. And look at the 16-year-olds, they're back down to 70%. What about all us adults? Boy, I don't know what the percentage would be, but uh, I'd certainly be curious to see that. So it's something you're gonna see in the preschoolers, you're gonna see it blossom in a sense in the preschoolers, very normal, Uh, although it can be upsetting. What about our ADHD kids? Well, let's hold on uh, to that. Uh, We'll take a look at what their percentages might be in just a second. So what did I do wrong? Some parents blame themselves when their kids lie, and uh, there's no reason to assume that lying is your fault uh, because, as we just saw in the last slide, lying is normal. However, you don't cause lying, but you can increase the chance chance of your kids lying, and how would you do that? Well, uh, it's through asking impulsive questions. Uh, Now, an impulsive question is something that you ask on the spur of the moment. For example, it's uh, uh, 4.17 in the afternoon, and you just put a a bunch of groceries on the table. You just got back from work, and you are... Uh, about to um, start getting dinner ready, and it's 4.17 and you think, I wonder if the kids have any homework. So you call into the other room and say, do you have any homework? The answer's no. Just like that. So it's an impulsive question. It's a spur of the moment question. Now one of the things we all know ADHD individuals are good at is impulsivity, which is acting without thinking. So the question comes across impulsively, and the lie is impulsive right back uh, from the kids. So impulsive questions or spur-of-the-moment questions tend to produce spur-of-the-moment lies from our children. Another thing that we parents think is um, that uh, there's absolutely no reason for lying. (coughs) Well, let's take a look at the causes of lying. Lying really has two main causes. One is to impress other people. And the second is to avoid trouble by covering up
2: behavior and mistakes. And this is the big one that we need to
1: look at in this seminar, the one about covering up behavior and mistakes. And it may apply more to our ADHD kids because unfortunately our ADHD kids get involved in misbehavior and mistakes more often because of their symptoms, inattentiveness, disorganization, and so on. So the biggest cause of lying that we're gonna be looking at here is uh, lying to avoid
2: trouble by covering up mistakes or misbehavior. Okay, so that's kind of an attitude adjustment got to go back a little
1: bit here okay what to do this is our battle plan so how are you going to manage lying first thing you want to do is not awfulize about lying and awfulize means to get super upset uh, consider it to be a major crime or whatever there's two ways to awfulize one is you can awfulize inside your own brain the other is you can awfulize to your child by uh, screaming, yelling, uh, or <clears throat> uh, arguing uh, with them about uh, their lie and so on. So if you do that, you tend to make the lying uh, worse. Second, what you wanna do to uh, uh, in dealing with lying is to avoid two particular things. And the first one is the impulsive questions that I asked you about or mentioned before. So if you get in their room and you find a Nestle's Crunch Bar under their pillow and you say, did you eat a Nestle's Crunch Bar in your room? Well, that's an impulsive question. It's likely to elicit an impulsive lie. The other thing you want to avoid is uh, what we call cornering your kids. So you get a call from the school at uh, one o'clock in the afternoon and they say that um, your son Tom was involved in a fight with uh, Dave Smith uh, at lunchtime. The assistant principal calls you, and he says they dealt with it. They just want to let you know what what happened. So your son comes in at 3.15, and you say, Tom, um, how was your day? He says, fine. And you say, how did things go at lunch? And he says, fine, that was a great sandwich that you made. And then you say, how did things go with Davey Smith? and you think you've got him, and he says, fine, there was no problem. Then you say, listen, young man, you're lying. I got a call from Mr. Mr. Pasquini, the assistant principal, and I know that you got into a fight with Davy Smith, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what you just did with your child was <clears throat> you cornered them, uh, and you backed him into a corner, and what you were doing was trying to get information about the fight, but the other thing you were doing was to test your son to see if he would lie. And that's the essence of cornering. And when you did that, you gave him three chances to lie, which he did, he lied three times. He got practice lying three times, uh, and he's become gonna become a better liar if you do that on a regular basis. So what are you gonna do? <clears throat> well, if you already know what happened, like you did in the example we just talked about, Uh, Tell them that you know, and if you need more information, give them time to think before they respond to you. So your son Tom comes in at 3.15. You say, Tom, I got a call from Mr. Pasquini. He said you got into a fight with Davy Smith at lunch. Uh, I want to hear your story, but not right now. In about 15 minutes, I want you to tell me what happened. But remember, I already talked to Mr. Pasquini about it. So you're not cornering him. You're telling him you already know what happened. You're not giving him a chance to lie, although he might. You're minimizing his chances of lying, and you're giving him a little bit of time to um, think. So if you know what happened, tell him that you know, and tell him you might want some other information. If you already know what happened, uh, so say you found the Nestle's Crunch uh, wrapper underneath your uh, daughter's uh, pillowcase, and some chocolate stains on the uh, sheets and so on, uh, and, and she's not supposed to take the Nestle's crunches from the kitchen and sneak them into her bedroom and eat them, uh, what you can do is just tell her that that's what she did and that there's going to be a consequence. A consequence doesn't have to be you know, a horrible thing. It could be a grounding, fine chore, restriction of electronics, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but you just tell her <laughs> that that's uh, what you found out, and that there's going to be a consequence. And you don't have to be positive. A lot of, a lot of times parents think, oh, I, I, I can't consequence my child unless I'm totally sure of what happened. This isn't a, a court of law where it's got to you know, be beyond the uh, slightest doubt. Uh, this is pretty sure is okay. And <clears throat> you can consequent the ki- consequence the kids if you're pretty sure, and a lot of times you know, even though you can't maybe nail them on it, but you know exactly what they did. Um, now, if you do this, and your kids are used to getting away with, uh, you know, lying or getting out of trouble, and all of a sudden you confront them with what they did, they're likely to have a tantrum. And so you might want to be ready for managing tantru- temper tantrums. So if you confront your kids with a misbehavior, and you consequence them, and you don't give them a chance to explain which is a good thing to do some of the time, they may tantrum and you need to be ready for um, that. Okay, if you don't know what happened, so the other things we just talked about were if you did know what happened, what are you gonna do? (coughs) If you don't know what happened, um, tell them what the problem is, give them time to think before they respond, and you accept their answer. If you find out later that they lied, you can consequence or punish them for the lie as well as the misbehavior that they were uh, trying to um, cover up. And finally, in terms of our recommendations, if lying is an issue on a regular basis, remember lying is primarily to cover up misbehavior, uh, fix the problem. What can you do about the misbehavior? Uh, If you say to your child uh, you know impulsively every every afternoon you have homework nope or is your homework done yep Uh, and the teacher calls you every friday saying it's not done you need to fix that um, homework problem and to do something about it so look at the misbehavior that's being lied about and try and come up with a better way of uh, managing it and good luck that's basically our program for lying and i hope it's helpful
0: Thank you dr. Fallon. I think this has been I think it is helpful, especially when you talk about uh, impulsive questions receiving impulsive answers for our participants for your questions we are accepting them now and you can enter them in the question box as shown in this slide and our first question is coming from sage and going back to your statement about impulsive questions eliciting impulsive answers. Sage was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on what an impulsive question is.
2: Well,
1: an impulsive question, as I was saying, is something you think of on the spur of the moment and you tend to blurt it out uh, quickly without thinking. As you know, uh, ADD kids, since it's basically a genetic problem, often have uh, ADHD parents, and so we've got potentially two impulsive people. So if you ask the question on the spur of the moment, not only are you catching the child off guard and not giving them a chance to think, but you're also very likely to be upset yourself. And if you ask an impulsive question while you're emotionally upset, that's really increases the chances that the child is going to lie because they, they know you're upset, they don't want to make you more upset, and so they'll take the easy way out. And they'll take the easy way out every time. And parents have told me over the years, why does he keep lying? He knows he's going to get caught. Every Friday, the teacher calls or whatever. It, it, right at that moment, that's impulsivity. The child takes the easy way out and they they lie. So, uh, spur of the moment and very emotional. That's what an impulsive question is, and that's what you don't want to do. <sighs>
0: that I think is a uh, big help in having an idea of what the impulsive question is. Many times, adults, as you said, we think of it, we say it, and we don't realize that perhaps that was a bit of an impulsive question for a young person to respond to. Well, our next question is coming from a mother, and she wonders, she has a a 12-year-old who has forged her daily report from her teacher. And she was wondering, how can I prevent her from lying about more serious matters as she enters her teen years? So this is a, a young person, elementary school, middle school, who has forged the teacher's report uh, information. mother's kind of concerned that maybe this could escalate.
1: Well, I think the first thing is what to do about the forging. And um, <clears throat> obviously you want to find another way of getting information from the teacher. Uh, email sometimes can uh, solve that problem, or getting a report that's in the teacher's handwriting. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like... We've had some really funny teacher forgeries from kids, I, like I said, maybe I shouldn't laugh, but some of these kids, they, it's in their own handwriting, and it's supposedly what the teacher was saying about them, and it's just hilarious what they can do. But um, if you're looking about uh, concerned about the future, I think one of the things you want to look at with a, a preteen is <clears throat> uh, also what kind of relationship do you have with them? And uh, maybe it's time to work on that relationship a little bit, to work on uh, active listening for, you know, does this child see you as a safe haven or somebody that they can talk to in an open and friendly way? If they don't, that's something that needs to be worked on. Do they do they see you as somebody they can have fun with? If they don't, that needs to be worked on as well. Because if there's kind of a war going on in a relationship or the relationships are really strained, that's not only going to make communication more difficult. It's going to increase the possibilities of lying. And the other thing, like we said in the seminar, is... Um, there are certain problems like school that the the child is going to the extent of forging something, then uh, what else do we need to do about school performance uh, in in order to help this child do better and to eliminate the need for lying?
2: Well, thank you. We've got a question from Connie that kind of
0: follows up on what you were just saying. And she was wondering, are punishments effective in deterring future lying? You've mentioned punishments and and consequences. How effective is that in helping to prevent this in the future?
1: Well, uh, punishments can be, be helpful, but not usually by themselves. And I'll tell you when punishments are not helpful. Punishments are not helpful if they're administered in a harsh, emotional, super-duper angry, frustrated way by the parent. Um, That just, all the child hears is, you know, you're a a jerk, you're a bad kid, uh, and it doesn't have any deterrent value whatsoever. Uh, The other thing is if parents are punishing a kid for lying and the punishment is their only tactic, uh, it's not likely to be successful. I've seen kids and some of you may have known of kids who are not getting good grades in school, or they're lying, or whatever, and the parents punish them by removing things. And sometimes they'll remove stuff from their room, like their, you know, their phone goes from the room, and then their dresser goes from the room, and then their bed goes from the room, and the door goes off the uh, bedroom door goes off, and everything is just punish, punish, punish. If you're into a sequence of punishment and it's not working, you really have to look at something else, like. Because like I was just saying, what's the relationship with the kid, and how are we getting along? Can we talk? Is the relation open and, and friendly, and so on? So punishment can work, but only when combined with a, a good relationship. They say um, punishment without a relationship is, uh, produces rebellion. Uh, punishment with a good relationship is good discipline.
2: On the idea of good discipline,
0: we've got a question from Manny, and he was wondering: Do you ever call a child out on a lie? You know, going back to the Nestle's Crunch wrapper, did you eat the chocolate bar? No, mommy. Do you then say to the child, "Well, that's obviously untrue." How do do you ever call a child out on a lie? And if you do, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, no. I, I hope you didn't take what I was saying before as as not calling kids out on a lie. I'm just saying don't ask for it by asking a question where you already know what what they did and giving uh, them an opportunity to practice a lie. But if you know that they lied, you can consequence them for the lie. But in line with what I was just saying, don't have a fit about it. It's not treason. It's not homicide. You you lied, uh, and I don't like that. We need to be able to trust each other in this family. This is what the consequence is going to be, and uh, better luck next time.
0: That's good, good advice and better luck next time we, you know, let's just be upfront about this and having a family where, pa- where the parents and children can talk easily and freely with each other. Well, our next question is coming from Joe, and ADHD is treated through the multimodal approach, which is behavior management, education on ADHD, and medication if it's appropriate. But Joe's question is does medication help with lying? Is this something that is this a, a symptom that medication may assist in decreasing? Yeah,
1: I, yes, I think I think it would. I, I I doubt if I could prove that with any research, but it's a good question. And I think if you look at it, since a lie is often a an impulsive uh, attempt uh, that comes out of fear of getting caught or something like that, and if you think of the medication while it's working in the child's system, if the confrontation came at a time when the medication was present, I think it would lessen to some extent the chances of the child lying. It wouldn't necessarily make it go away. Uh, But again, you you have the uh, question of when are the medications operative uh, in the kids? And some of these all-day medications, of course, are gone when the kid comes home from school. And you're with the kids then from then on, so if that's when your interactions are, if there's no medication in the kid's system, uh, it's not going to do much good. But I think I think they could help.
2: All right. Well, Dawn is now
0: taking us from younger children to young adults. And she was wondering, how do you address lying in young adults? And I, I think she is also probably referring to later age teenagers, those who are 17, 18, 19, in addition to young adults who are in their early 20s. How does a parent address this uh address lying especially since at this age um the lies could be more serious the consequences can be more serious if they're not truthful with their parents.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if it is a good question know, what are they lying about? <clears throat> and I think if you're talking about teens and they're still living with you you want to have some basic um rules and guidelines about things like hours and maybe even grades, use of the car uh... and that kind of thing and if the, you find the child is you know they're coming home late all the time and making up stories about it what you want to do is come up with some rules that that um, don't re, don't rely so much on whether or not a child is going to lie in other words if you come in at three in the morning and you're supposed to be here at midnight uh... the reasons why you know your story about the flat tire and so on and so forth <clears throat> the fourth time you tell me this it's irrelevant uh, and we're going to deal with it as a um, problem behavior and you maybe use our, what we call our major-minor system or something like that. But the same things would apply about not provoking the lie and not asking stupid questions when you already know what's going on uh, and having some good behavioral guidelines in general that the kids are supposed to follow. So uh, if they're going to make up stories about this, that, and the other thing, those stories become irrelevant.
0: Thank you. Um, making up the stories, this is, leads us into our next question, a child who has said something that he's kind of made up off of the top of, of his head to answer his parent. Our question comes from Matt, and he was wondering, how do you handle a kid who answers a question and you don't think he's being honest, but you have no proof one way or the other? So here's a child who has answered you, perhaps the impulsive question, perhaps a, a more thought out question. and. The story doesn't sound quite right, but you don't have proof that the story is or is not. How do you approach that?
1: I would say to the child in a nice way, um, you know, there's something about this just doesn't ring right to me. It doesn't um, <clears throat> doesn't make sense to me, but I can't put my finger on what it is right now. How about you and I think this over for you know, a couple hours or maybe even a day and uh, come back to it. And maybe Maybe I can identify in that time. What about what about what you've said? um, You know, worries me or still bothers me. But what you don't want to do is either corner them or nail them. You know, this is a bunch of BS. What kind of stuff are you trying to feed me? And so on. It's like, hmm, I I I just I can't can't I can't quite wrap my brain around what you've been telling me. Uh, Let's take a time out and come back to it a little bit later.
2: Thank you.
0: In taking that time out. We have a question from Clarissa, and she is going back to what you mentioned about authorizing lying, and she was wondering, what if she has already authorized lying? What can she do as a parent to undo the damage? A lot has been said consequences need to be approached, but perhaps there was an overreaction on the parent's part. What can she do now?
1: first thing she could do is uh, she could tell the child that that's what she's done in the past and say, I'm afraid that uh, you know lying has been a problem between the two of us, and your contribution has been that you produce the lies. But my contribution has been that I have a cow whenever you tell me a lie. And in the future, let's talk about what can we both do together to um, you know minimize this problem. And I'll ask you to be more truthful. And in return for your being more truthful, what I'll be working on is to be more calm. When uh it 's hitting the fan and and there 's a problem between the two of us, and then we 'll see if we can 't come up with some way of talking things over reasonably and peacefully.
0: well, one of our participants, Bonnie, has been listening very attentively, and she 's got a question you 've spoken a lot of you 've spoken about children, your main focus has been on children and, and we 're going to keep the focus on children, but right now we 're going to take the slight detour, and she was wondering. Do your recommendations work with spouses with other adults in a household? ADHD runs in families. If there's a child with ADHD, there's likely a parent with ADHD. How can a spouse respond when perhaps her spouse has not been truthful?
1: Yeah, no, I think the recommendations do hold. Uh, you know, first of all, you don't want to ask questions that are on the spur of the moment. And also you definitely want to take a look at um <clears throat> you know, what kind of relationship do you have with the spouse? And um, if the relationship is really not very good uh, or it's even hostile, you're going to probably get lots of lots and lots of lies. Uh, and I think, you know, what I've seen, I've done a lot of marital therapy, and I think um, just like with kids, what spouses get into, unfortunately, too much of the time is trying to catch each other at wrongdoing or trying, they have a contest to prove which one of us is the idiot in this obviously dysfunctional relationship. And you gotta give that kind of thing up. And so you're not trying to catch anybody at lying. You gotta really decide what's my what's my main goal here. Is my main goal to have a good relationship? That's a totally different strategy than do I wanna catch my spouse uh, in some kind of uh, wrongdoing or lying or whatever. That's a very different strategy. So first thing is make up your mind. What are you trying to accomplish?
0: Trying to know what to, what's being accomplished with the question, with the conversation, can help very much in guiding spouses. How do we communicate together that we feel safe and free to, to share without having to resort to um, lying or evasion? Well, I'm going to take us back to questions about children. And our question now is from Amy. And she is very interested in what you have said about how not to ask questions. She's wondering, how can she ask a question that will prevent lying to bring a truthful answer from her child? Perhaps instead of asking, do you have homework tonight, would be more, what homework do you have? So what is a, how can parents phrase questions that would be helpful here?
1: That's a, what she said is a, is a good start. That's a much better question. So what homework do you have? <clears throat> I knew a, a pediatrician once, and what he did with his kids he had a deal with them, he had a routine that if they had homework, they had homework and they would do it. If they didn't have homework, they had to uh, sit down for an hour and copy the encyclopedia. So they were going to get one thing or another, neither of which was very pleasant. But uh, the question is better that, that uh, your, our listener mentioned, uh, what kind of homework do you have? The other thing is you need a routine for homework. That's part of the solution to the problem. Is that every day we're going to get your homework and we're going to get it on an assignment sheet or get it on our homework hotline or whatever? And then homework time is four o'clock. You come home from school, you goof around a little bit, you take a booster dose of your meds, perhaps. You sit down at four o'clock and you try and do your uh, finish your homework by um, dinner time at uh, you know five thirty or six. So what you want to do uh, is avoid these spur of the moment. Uh, beginnings to things like chores or homework or whatever, you have a routine that you follow. Every day it's the same, uh, and, and her rephrasing of the question was also much much better.
0: A lot of times rephrasing the question can help put it in a, a different light, perhaps one that the child feels less um, uneasy, so that they are more comfortable in, in saying, yeah, I've got homework, I've got this. or as you mentioned earlier, yes, Jimmy and I did get into a, 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 an argument during lunch, but he started it, Mom. Well, our next question now is going to come from Connie, and she was wondering about a related behavior. She was wondering, is stealing treated the same as lying? And oftentimes the two behaviors will go together. Did you take your sister's doll? Uh, no, I didn't. Please don't look behind my back because I'm not holding it. So is stealing treated the same as lying? How, how can a parent help it with this behavior?
1: Well, uh, stealing and lying will be connected because the kids will often lie about something that they st- stole. <clears throat> so you get the two, you get a, a double whammy from the child. Uh, and, yeah, the, the 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 strategies are going to be similar because if you want to talk about it and you, if you do have to ask a question and you don't know what happened, uh, you want to talk about it as calmly as you can. You want to avoid cornering the child. And then if you find out later that they did lie, then, once again, you want to avoid having a fit about it, treating the kid as if they're you know the lowest form of life on the planet. but then you can come up with a um uh a consequence, and we have you know like I think I mentioned before we have a what we call the major minor system, which is a way of grading misbehaviors or offenses in terms of their seriousness, and then you might have three levels of seriousness for misbehaviors. And then you have three levels of consequences for those different levels of misbehavior, and so when the kid steals something, which most people consider to be a fairly serious thing, uh, you categorize it as major, medium, and minor, and then you simply administer a major, medium, or minor offense for that stealing, and something that's appropriate. Maybe they pay back, they uh, pay back double or uh, whatever. Um, but that's that's the um, consequence and you do that on a regular basis so you don't have to argue about the, what the consequence is going to be uh, and so on and the other thing is what I said before if you're pretty darn sure that a child stole something it isn't a court of law you don't have to be perfectly positive in order to administer a consequence and I know a lot of parents feel sheepish about that and they know the kid's going to tantrum if they uh, n- nail them but that's your job
2: You just mentioned that a lot of times
0: parents know that if if they say, Johnny, yes, I know that you've uh, told a lie here, that they're worried about a tantrum. How does a parent prepare for a tantrum? You mentioned that earlier, being prepared for a tantrum. And if they've called their child out and said this is not true, how do they prepare? What can they do for both the child and themselves if they know the temper tantrum's on its way?
1: Yeah. Well, if there's going to be a tantrum, um, the first thing you want to do is prevent it if you can. But if it's too late... Uh, we have a thing in our business we call the 10-second rule, and that means that after a child has started tantruming, the rule is you never talk to a, a tantruming child. So if the kid blows up <clears throat> within 10 seconds, you're going to do what we call check out. And check out means you're not going to talk to them anymore. You're not going to go somewhere else until they are done with their tantrum. So they can yell and scream, or whatever. A lot of parents say that tantrums are for the room. You go finish the tantrum in your room. And uh, later when they're done, they can talk about it uh, some more. But what you also don't want to do is to be intimidated by the tantrum. The threat of a tantrum, uh, threat of a child's tantrum is one of the major ways that kids train their parents to do what the kids want them to do. So if you think that confronting your child is going to produce a major tantrum, That's too bad, don't be intimidated by it. You gotta be ready for it. And what you're gonna do when they tantrum is you're gonna check out, you don't talk to a tantruming child, and after things have cooled down, then you can come back to the issue and you're you're gonna discuss it again or impose a consequence.
2: With
0: the idea of preparing and, and thinking things through, Connie has one more question for us. And she was wondering if there's any correlation between, between increased lying and winding down of a medication dose. You mentioned earlier that um, very often, especially with long-acting doses of medication, when the child comes home from school and it's family time, the medication is winding down. There's more likely to be impulsive behaviors. And it's also a time where there's sometimes um, a rebound effect, and, and that could also be involved in a tantrum. And and as I said, Connie was kind of wondering is there um a correlation between being uh, between increased lying and that time of day where medication is winding out of a child's system?
1: I think there I think there there could be, like I said before, it also depends on what's going on, like homework going on or sibling rivalry going on, you know, or whatever. So I, I think there's a chance. I think the medication would in general, you know, you know, calm kids down, make them more likely to respond rationally. I think rebound or backlash is a whole other issue, and uh, that that's more of an issue that might be related to tantrums rather than lying. But, you know, my vote is if any kids are regularly having medication backlash or rebound, you you really need to do something about that. That's a horrible experience to go through for a family. And if it's predictable every day, you know it's going to happen, uh, that's the time. A lot of times leave the kid alone for that period of time. That's one option but the other is to consider a booster dose or some other way of managing the meds to where you, you avoid that um, backlash. No, but nobody should have to put up with backlash every day if it's medication-based.
0: Well, our, qu- our next question is now coming from Yvette, and she has um, a question about if a child tells a lie and you say to the child, I know that's not true, try again, and the child then says, "Okay, the truth is this. Do you still give a consequence for breaking the rule against lying, even though the child told the truth on the second go around?"
1: You know, it's totally up to you. You can you can say to kids on the first go around, if you want, uh, I want you to tell me what happened. <clears throat> uh, if you tell me the truth, I will not punish you this time. Um, if you tell me the truth. If you don't uh, tell me the truth, and I find out later that you lied, then the punishment's going to be double or whatever but you're 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 the boss you can certainly do it that way you can say you know the second time they tell you the truth i'm glad you told me the truth but you're not going to do that every time uh give them one chance to lie and then um so it's a strategy you want to use um in a fairly limited fashion i think
0: So following on that strategy, is there a way to help children learn not to lie? You know, very often, as you said earlier, children lie because it's an impulsive action or they're afraid of the consequence, perhaps they didn't do their homework. So is there a way to help children learn not to lie?
1: Well, I think, yeah, but I think the first thing you have to accept is you saw those percentages before, and we had 90% of 4-year-olds lying, so if you're a parent of a 4-year-old, I wouldn't set yourself the goal of getting your kids not to lie at all because that can be part of authorizing about the the whole thing. But yeah, the, I mean, how you get the kids not to lie is you remain calm. If you you don't corner them, if you know what happened, you just impose the consequence. And the other thing is reinforce them for telling the truth. And you know that was hard for you. I know you uh, you were embarrassed or you felt really uh, uh, awkward about the whole thing. But you told me the truth, and or you told your teacher the truth, and I was very proud that you. Um, uh, did that. So you definitely want to uh, uh, praise them when they're doing the right thing.
0: Well, on the idea of praising them when they're doing the right thing, Gal is wondering, do you recommend a positive reinforcement system for truth-telling, such as a star chart?
1: Uh, no, I would not in the beginning. If you had a big problem with lying, maybe you'd consider that. But uh, first of all, I, I would uh, just praise them. And um, you know, uh, give them a pat pat on the back, have some fun with them or something like that. Uh, I wouldn't use a chart uh, for telling the truth unless we had a, a big problem with lying already.
2: All
0: right, so our next question is coming from a parent who was wondering the flip side of our conversation. What happens when... The parent has been perceived as telling a lie to a child—a white lie, generally. If the child thinks that her parent has not been truthful to her, what happens in that situation?
1: Well, I think the the question is, if the parent was lying, uh, what do you want to do here? Well, you want to model telling the truth. So you say, "Well, okay, I I told a lie, and it's what we call a white lie, but still a lie. Here's why I did it." And usually the reason will be to avoid some kind of trouble or embarrassment or whatever. And you tell the child openly uh, why you did what you did, and you can apologize for it without acting like it's the biggest crime in the world. Uh, And what you're doing there is you are showing them that you can tell the truth, that you can recover from a mistake uh, and... um, and go on from there without feeling uh, just awful about what happened. So the kids catch catch you in one. (laughs) I mean, your other option is to lie again, and that's not a very good option, I don't think.
0: No, that can be a difficult option. Um, Although we culturally have many stories that we tell children, things about uh, the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny, So sometimes thinking through and having a plan in place that uh, when your 7-year-old comes and says, Mom, I know it's you who put the quarter under my pillow for my tooth, not this tooth fairy, Having having something in place to explain the the cultural story that we share with one another. Well, our next question is actually a question coming from many people. Many of our participants are wondering, what about fictional lying to impress other people? All of us wish that we had the glamorous lifestyle. What happens when we have a a young person who's making up stories to impress her friends, to impress her teachers, or to simply live in a uh, fictionalized setting?
1: Well, it... it, um makes a difference if the child really believes that stuff. If they if they do, or a person who's telling these stories really believes it, then we got a bigger problem, because they're not really in touch with uh, reality. But some of the stories can be pretty fantastic, and <clears throat> to be honest with you, they never bothered me a whole lot. Uh, if the, if you were your child was telling you one of these stories, uh, or you heard about one of the stories that they told somebody else. I would just put it down in a very gentle way and say, you know, that's really silly. Or where did you get an idea like that? And what you're indicating is that you don't believe it, that you think it's really ridiculous what they uh, have put out there, and that you're not really going to give it the time of day. Don't spend a lot of time talking about it. Just say, oh, that's really silly. Uh, Get up and walk away. Uh, The more you argue with them about it or say you can't possibly believe that, uh, and so on. I think the more you run, the risk of, of uh, reinforcing it. So, take it with a grain of salt. Even have a good laugh and uh, drop it.
0: That's that's a, a good advice. In what is the what to do? And um, what if? Some of these stories have real-life consequences, though. Um, very often, again, you know, perhaps someone has believed this story and something has happened. Perhaps there's been a phone call from the teacher or, heaven forbid, a phone call from um, a civil authority wondering what's going on at home. What then can a parent do?
1: Well, what I would do, depending on the age of the child, but the kids six or older, I think I would sit down with the child and <clears throat> discuss what happened and try and get some of their feelings about uh, not only why they did what they did, but also their feeling about the reaction to it. And in doing that, the last thing you want to do is lecture. What you want to do is what we call sympathetic listening. So you sit them down and you say, you know, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And my first question is, um, you created this story that apparently was not true. Uh, Why did you do that? What were your motives for? Um, producing this thing in the first place. And you try to do this as sympathetically as possible rather than just putting it down or making fun of it. And then the second question would be, <clears throat> um, well, here's what happened from the story. And this person did this, and this person told that somebody that, and these problems were generated. Uh, what, what can you do or what can we do now to fix this or to remedy this? And see what kind of reaction. Um, you get from the child. Um, th- this kind of behavior is really fairly unusual in kids. I mean, where it really causes trouble. Um, but it, you know, it can happen. So again, you want to sympathetic, calm, um, kind of like, why'd you do it, and how are we going to fix the aftermath?
0: Well, in figuring out how to fix that aftermath, we have a question from AC, and he was wondering, at what age do you recommend? using self-reflection, such as reminding children that if they lie, they risk losing credibility, or perhaps if they tell a lie, this will have, as we were just mentioning a moment earlier, real-life consequences where people will believe something that is very untrue. At, at what age do you really use some self-reflection with children? You were mentioning very young children. And we've talked about teenagers who have a better ability to do self-reflection.
1: I think you can do um, what you might consider self-reflection in a lot of of ways as early as five or six years of age. Uh, I think you want to remember, though, is is, uh, keep in mind how kids learn. Uh, At that age, they don't usually learn very well through a straightforward, cognitively based uh, lecture. Um, I think what works better with kids is uh, stories. And... um, you know, almost the Aesop's fable kind of thing, or the the boy who cried wolf uh, are stories that are used with kids who lie some of the time. Um, but or, or or even real life stories that you kn- know about. But you tell the child the story and then kind of let them draw their own conclusion. But a- angry lectures, no, angry lectures don't help. Uh, but I think you can do something with kids that are as young as age five or six.
2: All right.
0: Well, we've got a question from Blaine kind of follows that up, that if you praise them for being truthful, for, for telling you the truth, instead of having told a lie, are you excusing the behavior, the underlying behavior that they originally lied about? So if you say, thank you for telling me the truth, you didn't do your homework, are you excusing them from having not done their homework, or is that a separate issue?
1: Well, if no, the, home, the homework thing is a little different, because homework has to be fixed. If they're lying about homework, you've got to fix your homework procedure one way or another. It's not just this one day that's the issue. (laughs) It's like the whole school year (laughs) is the issue. And what's your homework routine going to be? Um, You know, that's got to be uh, addressed. If it is something regular or something where you say, you tell me the truth this time, there won't be a consequence, that's okay the first time. But if there's a repeat, then you really have to look at uh, consequencing the lie as well as is there another underlying behavior here that, uh, that that we need to look at, like you know sibling rivalry, and maybe it 's not homework, maybe it 's sibling rivalry uh or maybe it 's something else um uh, but especially with repeated things that come up over and over and over again um you you're gonna you can start consequencing the lie and the um uh, the behavior that they 're trying to cover up. But, again, and, and you don't want to do punishment only. You, you, you want to keep looking at what's my relationship with this kid, you know. And we have a thing in our one two three magic we call parenting job number three, which is strengthening your relationship with the kids. And, uh, you know, how much fun am I having with this kid? Can we talk in an open and friendly way? And you always want to be looking at those kind of things, especially with kids that are getting into more serious misbehavior.
2: All
0: right. Well, we've got a a question from Laura following on that, and she has um, kind of a a flip side side question here. She says that when her son gets caught in a lie, he says something to deflect what has just happened, saying, well, everybody picks on me, my teacher is mean to me. These are things that Laura knows are not true. Is there a way to take the focus off of his behavior? Is there a way to kind of get him to to not pass that... um, not come up with an excuse for why he has said that lie.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he he gives you a list of things why he did it and you think they're silly, uh, I would say to him, that's really silly. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. And then pause and just look at him and see what he comes up with. But you don't want to start arguing with him about it. You can remain calm and you can remain sympathetic, but that doesn't mean that you can't call a spade a spade. And when he's feeding you a line of you-know-what... Um, that you, you can say, you know, what, what you're saying makes no sense to me. Um, I think you're making an excuse. Um, and maybe you'll get mad. Maybe you'll tantrum and then you're back to your <laughs> tantrum management strategies. Um, but, yeah, no, you, you can call them out on it and uh, confront the uh, – uh, that's not so much lying as it is uh, emphasizing things differently or choosing to see – the world is an unfair place or whatever, but uh, yeah, tell them, tell them straightforward but calmly what you think.
2: All right, well, we've got a
0: question from Rebecca and one to follow up from Susan, and what Rebecca was wondering is what kind of consequences work well for a middle school age child, a child who's about 11 years old, and how long should they last, and Susan's following that up with a question on on what are the most effective consequences for elementary to middle-aged students, and then are there effective consequences for the older kids, for our teenagers?
1: Well, you know, I'm partial to electronics um, for all those kids. (laughs) I think electronic restrictions these days in terms of cell phones, iPads, uh, you know, you you name it, uh, can be very effective. What you don't want to do, I mean, a primary... um, Mistakes that many of us parents make is we get so mad we say you're grounded from all electronics for the next month. Well, unless your kid killed somebody, that's a little inappropriate. Uh, so you, usually you do something for so many hours or maybe a couple of days, uh, <clears throat> depending on the nature of the behavior. Uh, but don't re- don't make it uh, r- you know really extreme. But think you know grounding, spines, chores, community service, educational product, and. Re- uh, uh, educational paper or something like that, uh, and restriction of electronics are often the um, best. But I have to say, I, with the way things are these days, the electronic restrictions I think really carry a lot of um, uh, a lot of clout. And the nice thing about them too is that you can do it as you know exactly the way you want to in terms of as many hours or days or whatever you, you think fits the um, offense. And, I, and that'll work for kids down to age 5 and through 19.
2: Well, we've got a question from Bill
0: who's kind of following us up with a very ADHD-specific question. And he was wondering, how should one handle the need of a child with ADHD to respond to consequences when the whole purpose of the altercation, the lie, the, this event, was an attempt to argue, argue in order to be stimulated. We know that children with ADHD and adults with ADHD also oftentimes will find themselves in arguments because it stimulates the brain and makes them feel focused and control, organized. And so the the individual all of a sudden has received this uh, Dose of being stimulated and organized feeling, and the parent, the spouse, the friend is wondering what just happened. So, how can a parent handle this when a child is basically lying in order to evoke a, a reaction?
1: Well, my my guess is I think it's a good question. I mean, if I understand the question correctly, um, I don't know that the kid would be lying to produce that, but I think ADHD kids do love to argue. Some of the time, and yeah, maybe they do get a kick out of it. I mean, other non-ADHD people do as well. But you're the you you have the kind of the final say here. So if the conversation is getting into a um, really uh, stupid argument uh, about one thing or another, uh, I think it's time to terminate 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 the conversation. I I have a theory that these long arguments that we can get into with ADHD kids are one of the greatest producer, producers of ODD oppositional defiant disorder and they do I think as uh, Bill was saying they they do give kids a lot of satisfaction uh in in terms of being able to drive their parents crazy uh with just the arguing frustrating their parents making the parents mad and all that so if you're the you're having a conversation with your kid and you think this is really getting uh out of line, and it's more yelling and more screaming that's time to stop it's time to drop it, like I said before. We'll come back to this later. um you don't want to give the kid that kind of that kind of reinforcement on a regular basis. I think that's big trouble, especially in some kids that are genetically predisposed to really want to take off with that kind of thing.
2: Well, we are down to our last two questions,
0: and our first question comes from a parent who wants to know at what age does a child know? why she's lying. Uh, Very often younger kids will say, I don't know why I lied when they're asked. And I know um, having had wonderful young people in my life, very often I've said, why did you do that? Why did you say that? And the answer is simply a shrug of the shoulders and I don't know. So why do younger children say, I don't know why I lied?
1: Because they don't answer the question. They know why they lied. Uh, most kids who say I don't know are just embarrassed, and they, it's just it's like the motive for lying in the first place. I don't want to talk about this. You know, this is, I feel stupid, and uh, if I provide any reason why I did what I do, I'm going to feel stupider. So, in answer to the first part of the question, I think kids can understand why they lied. <clears throat> uh, probably around age you know, four or five, they have some idea, but they sure don't want to tell you about it.
2: That's true. Well, our last
0: question now comes from a parent who has an eight-year-old son, and her son lies about not remembering what he did in school every day. He comes home, "What did you do today?" And, and her son, "I don't know. I don't know." How can I get him to not lie about it? How can she help him remember what he did during school?
1: Boy, I, I tell you, I wouldn't ask the question if that's kind of response you're getting. Um, <clears throat> I'd, I'd wait till later. He obviously—it sounds like a teenager. What did you do today? Nothing. Uh, Did you have social studies? Yeah. What did you do in social studies? We didn't do nothing in social studies. The kid's saying, leave me alone. Don't ask that question. Uh, So I would say find some other way, maybe other than through that kid. Or don't ask him the pointed question. Maybe he'll talk about it later or get some information from his teacher. But the kid's message is clear. I don't feel like talking about school when I come home.
2: All right. Well,
0: that was our last question. And I think this has been a wonderful conversation. We've had a lot of great questions come in asking both about why children are lying and to to ask how to prevent some of this. So this has been very helpful. Dr. Fallon, thank you so much for joining us, to our participants. I'm very pleased that you were able to join us today. And this has been a presentation of the National Resource Center on ADHD. Thank you for participating with us today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes so we can continue to bring great content to you. Are you aware that the Department of Education issued new guidelines regarding 504 plans? What does this mean for your child? Learn more about your child's educational rights on the CHAD website, which is now www.helpforadhd.org. That's www.help and the number 4 adhd.org.